You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football. The last episode before the start of the NFL season, which premieres on Thursday with the Chiefs squaring off against the Houston Texans. And I am your host, Nick Falato, on the great Big Blue View radio platform. And we're all ready for some football. Eager, really. Seems like it's been forever, and 2020 has been a unique year, to put it mildly, but the season seems to be starting on time, and we're all excited about that. In today's episode, we're going to cruise through the news and notes around the National Football League. It's been very, very busy. There's been a lot of notes, and then we're going to get into my mediocre, more than likely wrong predictions of the 2020 playoff teams, because every year, there are teams that are being slept on and teams that will see regression. It's just the nature of the NFL, so we're going to have a little bit of fun with that. Like Last year, for instance, the 49ers. They were terrible back in 2018. They were an easy team to select to take that next leap and possibly be a playoff team. And obviously, they proved us all right by going to the Super Bowl. It seems like this kind of happens every year. But we'll get into that later. First, let's start with some news because there is a lot of it. A lot of running back news. So let's go no further. Start with Leonard Fournette. Ah, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that drafted Fournette in the top five, have finally let the mercurial Fournette go. It seems like it's been a love-hate relationship there for quite some time. Time. And now they finally let him go. Jaguars general manager David Caldwell, he was shopping Fournette around the league and no one really seemed to want to bite. So the Jaguars seem like they're going to go forward with James Robinson, Chris Thompson, Divine Azigbo, and Ryquel Armstead as the running backs after Jacksonville released Fournette. And Fournette went through waivers. And then he was quickly scooped up by Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that have been talking up Ronald Jones II immensely this offseason. Let's start with how this should impact the Jaguars. So they're bad. They're not going to be a great football team in the year 2020. But I do love the addition of Jay Gruden as the offensive coordinator. And I think he's going to maximize the already interesting game of Gardner Minshew, who for a fantasy pick in the late rounds, especially as a super flex target, is a solid option to go with. Because Gruden has gotten the most out of quarterbacks that he's used, whether it be Kirk Cousins with Washington or Andy Dalton back when he was the offensive coordinator with Cincinnati. But I believe Gruden is going to use a committee here. It seems like they really like Robinson, the kid, and they're going to utilize him. Reichwald Armstead has missed a ton of time in camp. He's found himself on the COVID list, I think, twice. I'm not even sure if he ever even had COVID, but he had to go on that list. Don't really know the story behind that, but Chris Thompson is going to be an uber-efficient third down back for that offense, just like he was when he's healthy with the Washington football team. He did that several times, so I expect Chris Thompson to have a solid role on a team that's going to be losing a lot. So they're going to be forced to pass the football a lot. And I think that's going to really benefit him in PPR leagues if you are looking to play fantasy football. They have a Chris Thompson and Jay Gruden have a really unique player to coach relationship. When Jay Gruden was released midseason back in 2019, Chris Thompson was crying in the locker room about it. So you can see there's a lot of love between those guys. And when it comes to Chris Thompson, I mean, we got to think about Leonard Fournette for a second. He was incredibly inefficient last year as a receiver but he earned a lot of targets and a ton of opportunity he had 95 targets he almost had 100 targets Leonard Fournette and then 256 rushing attempts which will be dispersed between all of these running backs or at least the top two that end up cracking the final roster and Fournette also had 46 carries in the red zone and he was really inefficient with it but they wanted to pound the rock that was the identity of the team of course they have a different offensive coordinator now but they're not a team filled with offensive weapons. I think DJ Chark is in for a breakout type of season, even though I would argue that he broke out last year. But this team is going to be losing a lot, and there's just a ton of opportunity for this offense. And the team leaned on him, Leonard Fournette, that is, last year in the passing game, despite the lack of success in the area. And I expect them to do something similar even with Gruden. So I looking at Chris Thompson, and I think late round fantasy, he could be a very important part of what the Jaguars are going to try to do. And I've been told by many that I pronounce that wrong. Jaguars. I think it's Jaguars. 
That's how I'm supposed to say it. But it just does not come off naturally for me. So that is what it is. But there's other running back news as well. Bengals running back Joe Mixon was reportedly having migraines and he was missing practice. But there were a lot of whispers that he was actually just disappointed with the Bengals because he did not have a contract extension and he was in a contract year. So it didn't take long. I think those migraines went away and the Bengals awarded Mixon a four-year, 48 million dollar deal so that's really good for the Cincinnati Bengals who are looking to build an identity on offense under Zach Taylor with Joe Burrow the first overall pick in the 2020 draft and now they have Joe Mixon who is a dual threat type of running back even though they utilize Giovanni Bernard more on third down they like to kind of spell Mixon in those cases but last season he started off incredibly disappointing wasn't even seeing that many carries but down the stretch of the season Zach Taylor allowed Joe Mixon to put the team on his back and he was able to at least make the Bengals somewhat competitive. And he was really, really relevant in fantasy during that time of the year. So he'll be in Cincinnati for the foreseeable future. But that also brings up Alvin Kumara, who is also a player who is reportedly unhappy with his contract situation. He was withheld from a couple practices, and a lot of people were talking about him possibly being traded. That was a rumor that was floated around earlier last week, and it kind of just escalated really, really quickly. Within 24 hours, it went from, oh, Kamara's missing practice. Oh, he's not that happy with his contract. Oh, the Saints may trade him. And I was just like, what the heck is going on? And then it seems like he ended up going to the doctors and getting an epidural shot for his back, which isn't really natural, to be honest. I mean, that's something that pregnant women get when they are giving birth. And you, some people will say, oh, yeah, you know, football players will do that if their back's pain. But, like, he's going in there for an operation that needs to get approved by a bunch of doctors. This is still something that obviously is bothering Alvin Kamara. I, in fantasy, I'm not knocking him down my board all that much at all. But it's still something that doesn't give you a warm and fuzzy whatsoever. But he still hasn't been rewarded this contract by the Saints. I'm not 100% sure what will happen with Alvin Kamara. Seems like he's just going to go into the season. He's going to play. Maybe the Saints will give him a contract somewhat similar to Mixon. I don't think they're giving their cap situation and all the players that they have on their team. I don't think they want to offer a running back that kind of deal whatsoever. But we're going to have to see how this plays out. But there is an injury thing with him as well, with the bat. You don't just go and get an epidural on your back uh, for willy-nilly. You know, that's just not something that will end up happening. Hopefully, for the Saints' sake, he won't hold out. There's reportedly contract extensions kind of going on throughout the week, but we haven't heard anything finalized quite yet. Then we have the Washington football team release Adrian Peterson, longtime veteran, and then Peterson was quickly scooped up by the Detroit Lions, who have Carryon Johnson, who's a third-year running back who's been dealing with injuries throughout his career, and DeAndre Swift, who's missed time in training camp with a leg injury. So you're bringing in this veteran and kind of just muddying this entire backfield. Because I thought Carrion Johnson was an excellent value late in drafts. But now you add Adrian Peterson, it's not as sexy anymore. Hopefully Swift can kind of get on the field. I know he's missed a lot of time. I'm not 100% sure if he'll even play week one. But the Lions felt it necessary to go out and add this veteran running back. And it seems like Adrian Peterson will just always find a place to play because... He's that kind of talented type of running back who is a consummate professional. And he was that for the Washington football team. He was an excellent leader for Ron Rivera with a young group of running backs. That includes Antonio Gibson and Bryce Love and even J.D. McKissick, who's been around a little bit in the NFL. But good for the Lions to go out and grab another piece of running back depth, somebody who is going to be reliable. There's also been other contracts along the offensive line that have been signed or extended. Players like Ryan Kelly, who are one of the better centers in the National Football League, signed a four-year, $50 million contract to remain in Indianapolis and help protect old Phillip Rivers with that dominant offensive line. I mean, heck, if I'm a center on the Colts' offensive line, which I would never be because I do not have that monstrous size or strength or anything of that nature, I'd want to stay in Indianapolis to play next to Quentin Nelson because he is an absolute beast. The Lions also extended Taylor Decker to a multi-year extension, which prompted Kenny Galladay to say, What about me? It doesn't necessarily seem like a contract is imminent with Kenny Galladay. They have around the Lions, that is $23 million in cap space, but I wouldn't expect anything to get done as of right now. They might actually wait and play this out, see how Kenny plays this season with a healthy Matt Stafford. Because remember, Kenny Galladay, pure deep threat, Huge, large, A dot, 
the exact type of receiver you want with someone like Matt Stafford who can air the ball out downfield because Kenny Galladay is really strong at the catch point, has a large catch radius, is great in 50-50 ball situations, sort of like Marvin Jones and a similar light to Marvin Jones, who's a little bit of an older player but has had success doing this with the Cincinnati Bengals and with the Detroit Lions. But last year, after Stafford went down, Stafford was playing really, really well. Stafford goes down, they bring in David Blau and a bunch of other kind of quarterback dudes who could never just really get it done. It was mainly David Blau, who was a rookie out of Purdue, and it just well, he was way in over his head, and Kenny Galladay was just relegated to a um, kind of an afterthought role as in fantasy football, at least in that kind of perspective. It just couldn't really push the ball vertically. When you can't push the ball vertically with a vertical receiver, it's not going to go as well, obviously. But Galladay is a great talent. He'll get his money eventually, but it doesn't seem like it's getting done as of right now. But good for Taylor Decker, you know? Taylor Decker, good offensive tackle. I remember him as a uh, somewhat Notre Dame fan that I am. I don't really like to call myself a Notre Dame fan, but my dad is, so I watch a lot of Notre Dame games. And I just remember Taylor Decker because when Notre Dame was playing Ohio State, he's the one after the play who shoved Jalen Smith, and Jalen Smith screwed his old knee up having him follow the second round, and then the Cowboys took a risk on Jalen Smith, and he comes back to about 90% of who he was, and Jalen Smith is a total stud as an NFL linebacker, so I'm really glad that he was able to overcome that injury, but Taylor Decker, why would you got to shove him out to the play, man? Why you got to shove him out to the And before we get into any other news, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our lovely sponsors here at SB Nation. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now let's get to our favorite fluctuating love hate contentious whatever the hell you want to call it player coach relationship with Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase who are reportedly on good terms now it's just an odd situation because I don't feel like Le'Veon Bell is being a a nuisance at camp it just doesn't seem like Adam Gase ever really wanted Mike McCagnan the former general manager of the Jets to spend up on Le'Veon Bell and ever since Bell has arrived he seems like he's doing all the right things I mean if you see him in camp the guy's got abs on abs but Adam Gase and beat reporters are talking about how Le'Veon Bell's being held out because he has a hamstring strain Le'Veon Bell comes out on Twitter says I do not have a hamstring strain everything's wrong about that and now you have Adam Gay saying they want to use Le'Veon Bell a little bit more in the passing attack, and they didn't do that enough and get him in space enough last season, which I can 120% agree with. You have to do that with a player like Le'Veon Bell, and I can understand if you couldn't because your offense was devoid of weapons, but you have to at least try. And then you have the Jets bring in Frank Gore. You have him try to trade for Kalen Balazs like we talked about last episode. There's just... It's a weird situation. And now you have Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gay say they're on good terms and it was just a miscommunication. So maybe everything's going to be golden for Bell now with Adam Gase. I wouldn't really bet on that. It's just, <laughs> I look over at the New York Jets, man. And I don't live far from their facility. I really don't. But I look at the New York Jets and I see just this dysfunction and I listen to my Jet fan friends complain and talk about this team. And I really, truly do feel bad for them. I really do. And I feel bad for Sam Darnold, who's a young quarterback with Adam Gase right now, with an offensive line that should be somewhat improved. They signed McConnor McGovern. They added George Fant, which, I mean, I'm not a huge advocate for a player like George Fant. He's athletic and he's long, but he hasn't really proven it at a consistent level as an offensive tackle once the Seahawks converted him to that position. But they add those guys that try to fortify the offensive line. Now, obviously, you draft Mekhi Becton, which is gigantic in more ways than one. So I do love that, too. But then these weapons start going down. Hopefully Denzel Mims will be healthy for week one. That would be great for the New York Jets. Jamison Crowder is going to be an absolute PPR target monster for this team. But I, I, <laughs> the Patriots lose Tom Brady. I, I still think this division is going to be a similar look with the Bills, though, at the number one. And the Patriots still a very viable team for the playoffs. And then you have the Jets and the Dolphins as those seller dwellers. But Maybe Gase and Bell can be good friends this time around. We'll see. The Minnesota Vikings were able to retain Riley Reef, who thought he was going to be cut from the team due to contract disagreements. But 
the Vikings were able to restructure his contract and retain him. And I think that's important because the Vikings just went out and they drafted rookie out of Boise State, Ezra Cleveland, who's a talented left tackle. He has fluid feet, but I'm not 100% sold that he's ready to step in and play on the NFL. And the Vikings have legit Super Bowl aspirations, so I believe retaining this tackle in Riley Reef, a player out of Iowa, several years ago was drafted by the Detroit Lions, stayed in the division, knows that division really well, goes to the Minnesota Vikings. And then this season, you go out, you add Yannick Ngakwe. You are trying to make that legit push. You're in that win-now window. You have Kirk Cousins extended another year from the original contract that he signed that was fully guaranteed. This is your year. Dalvin Cook, contract year. Vikings are going for it this season. And I think that they're a, a solid team. I'm not huge on their aspirations for Super Bowl. I do feel like they lost a little bit like Everson Griffin, but you go out and you acquire Yannick Ngakwe, so obviously you're replacing him a little bit there. You lose Linville Joseph. You sign Michael Pierce, the kid from Baltimore, defensive lineman, incredibly talented. He opts out of the season due to COVID-19. So you have some losses. You're able to retain Anthony Harris, which is gigantic, though, and you can't overlook that. You lose Stephon Diggs, trade him for the first-round pick, draft Justin Jefferson. So it's an interesting situation going on there, but retaining Riley Reef and not putting Ezra Cleveland in a place where he's going to have to start opposite of another athletic tackle in Brian O'Neill, who has progressed, the kid out of Pitt a couple of years ago. He definitely has progressed. He was a tight end. He was recruited by Pitt as a tight end, and now he's been a solid tackle for them in the NFL. But retaining Reef allows Ezra Cleveland to actually develop and become ready for the NFL game because that's not exactly easy especially in this truncated offseason so that was a good job by Rick Spielman and the Vikings to retain Mr. Reef and then we have some receiver news okay the Seahawks re-signed wide receiver Josh Gordon to a one-year deal now Josh Gordon has bounced around a little bit he broke out in the NFL out of Baylor with the Cleveland Browns I remember when the Giants played them I think it was back in like 2013 maybe even 2012 and he had a great game just true vertical threat absolute beast but we know he has a lot of substance abuse issues goes to the Patriots opts out of that season they end up winning the Super Bowl has been with Seattle did not work out there, and now he's re-signed with them. I don't think this takes away from DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett all that much. I'm not 100% sure what his situation is with Josh Gordon because he struggled to stay on the field. He struggled to maintain a roster spot throughout the entirety of an NFL season due to some off-the-field issues, and we all hope that he gets better, and we all hope everything works out for him, but this doesn't take away from Lockett or Metcalf's fantasy value for me, but it's definitely newsworthy, and that's why I brought it up. We also have the Raiders placing Tyrell Williams on the season-ending injured reserve, which is unfortunate. They signed him last season. John Gruden took a liking to him. He was the deep threat for the San Diego Chargers, now the Los Angeles Chargers, but he's gone now. And we saw the Raiders go out and they drafted three wide receivers slash running back types. Now, two of them are true wide receivers and Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama, who's a true deep threat in the Tyreek Hill kind of mold. Then you have Brian Edwards, who's more of an X receiver, very, very underrated coming out of South Carolina, probably would have been a higher pick, but he had a couple injury issues. Now, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Brian Edwards. I think he's an absolute stud. Now he actually might start. I think he's a very, very good target late in fantasy drafts because I think he might be somebody everybody's adding after week one because he's very, very talented, has had a great camp. That drum beat has just been going the entire training camp for Brian Edwards, who do not sleep on him. They also drafted Lynn Bowden, who was a athletic guy out of Kentucky. I don't know how you want to classify him because he's a wide receiver, but he was also a quarterback for them. And the Raiders drafted him to play running back. But they took Bowden in the third round of the 2020 draft, and they just shipped him to Miami for swapping third-day picks. So basically, the Raiders received a fourth-round pick and Miami received a six-round pick, and they received Lynn Bowden. So I'm not sure what Bowden did in his short time at camp out there in Las Vegas, but it wasn't exactly something that appealed to Mike Mayock and John Gruden, so now he is gone, and that third-round pick is just basically flushed down the toilet. Maybe the Miami Dolphins can salvage him. Lynn Bowden's a very interesting player. He was very interesting coming out of this draft, so he's definitely redeemable. I'm not sure if it's an off-the-field thing. There are reports about that, but I can't personally speak on it because I honestly do not know. But Dolphins were able to acquire another skilled type of offensive weapon that they can use in the backfield with Jordan Howard and with Matt Breida, and possibly he can even be throwing the football because it's something that he did in college as well. But this Tyrell Williams injury is going to really help out 
the development and force Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs into a bigger position to earn a larger target share along with Darren Waller and I believe Hunter Renfro will also be mixed in. They're also probably going to use a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of two tight end sets. So that means you might see more Jason Witten or Foster Moreau. They seem like they have a ton of tight ends out there in Las Vegas, almost at Oakland there, in Las Vegas. And speaking of somewhat older receivers that have dealt with injuries we had Mohamed Sanu who the Patriots just traded a second round pick for last season in an attempt to try to help that offense generate more production was released by the New England Patriots which to me says that someone like Keneal Harry might be someone that's being slept on a little bit now listen to me hear me out the Patriots are going to be able to move the football somewhat they have Josh McDaniels they have Bill Belichick And last season, they struggled to move the football. You add Cam Newton, who reportedly is healthy. He's only 31 years old. And I know we haven't seen it in a while, but if he is 70% of what Cam Newton was, then you've gotten a steal there. And no one's really excited about anybody on the Patriots, any of their weapons, Julian Edelman, Keneal Harry, when it comes to fantasy. And they're all going incredibly late. And I think maybe, especially in PPR leagues for Edelman's case, they're worth a shot because they're going to have to throw the football. They're going to run the football too, but they're going to have to pass sometimes. You have Josh McDaniels, and I don't think that defense is going to be near what they were last year. They were excellent last year. They forced turnovers. They scored touchdowns. They did all of these things, and they still have Stephon Gilmore, who's one of the better cornerbacks in the league, but you lose Dante Hightower. You lose Kyle Van Noy. You lose Jamie Collins. You had several guys opt out. You lose Deron Harmon. That's a lot of people to lose, man. Those are a lot of very smart defenders who know how to execute Bill Belichick's defense to the highest ability, and they're not there anymore. Now you're going to have younger players who have to step into bigger roles, guys who are capable, guys like Chase Winovich, the kid from Michigan, very capable player, but I just don't see them being as good this season. I think they're going to have to pass a little bit more, maybe get a little bit more creative on offense, and they have Cam Newton, somebody that allows you to be more creative. So I just think somebody's going to be the benefit of some targets. Of maybe even a large target share. Now, Cam Newton was used to throwing to guys like Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin. That's a little bit more like Keneal Harry, but that doesn't mean that he can't adjust and throw to somebody like Julian Edelman either out of the slot in this offense that Josh McDaniels designed. So I just think pe- those guys are being slept on just a little bit in the drafts. I see them towards the latter half of the middle round sometimes and I'm looking around and I'm like these are high upside. No one really knows too much about what's going on with New England. Maybe they're worth a swing. We also had two more interesting deals get done. One, Jadavian Clowney signs with Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans to pair with Harold Landry and make a very formidable pass rush, especially with Jeffrey Simmons on the inside, the kid from Mississippi State who fell to, I think, pick 17. It was around there to the Titans back in 2019 because he tore his ACL, but he was probably going to be a top eight pick in the draft. He's an absolute stud. He, his presence allowed the Titans to move on from Jarrell Casey, who is now with the Denver Broncos, who I still think has a little bit left in the tank too. But Jadavian Clowney with Harold Landry in that defense that is already stacked, has coverage pieces. Yes, they lost Logan Ryan. The Giants were the beneficiary of that, but they have a lot of coverage pieces as well. Good safeties and Kevin Byard have a Dory Jackson as a, not a lockdown corner, but a solid number one cornerback, have a bunch of young linebackers, Rashard Evans as well. So <laughs> that's an excellent landing spot on a playoff bound team in the AFC South. So good for both parties there. I mean, it was he was really, really patient with it. Signs a one-year $15 million deal along with Harold Landry, Vic Beasley, and they also have Kamalea Correa who with Baltimore last season. He's another situational pass rusher type. That's a pretty solid pass rushing crew from a defense that doesn't necessarily overly rely on just getting pressure 1v1. I think Landry did a good job of that last year, but they also do a lot of cool things with their linebackers. They get them involved with the pass rush. A lot of stunts, a lot of twists, kind of an exotic defense, but Jadavian Clowney, good pass rusher, high motor kind of guy. Not exactly nuanced with his hands or with his timing when it comes to pass rushing moves, but he's also a really good run defender as well. That's going to be a great addition for the Tennessee Titans. We also had Deshaun Watson. He finally gets paid, man. He signed a four-year, $160 million contract extension for the Houston Texans. 
And, I mean, he's just been an absolute stud since he came into the league. I mean, now he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins, which is obviously unfortunate. You add Brandon Cooks. Hopefully Will Fuller is healthy. You still have Kenny Stills. Kiki Kuti made the squad somehow. So you have some receiving weapons. You'll lose, obviously, so many targets with DeAndre Hopkins leaving. But Deshaun Watson gets $111 million in guarantees. It's a massive contract. He had two years left on his rookie deal. You know that... With Patrick Mahomes getting paid, Watson was going to look to become the second highest paid player in NFL history, and he was. He was rewarded with that. He is the second highest paid player behind Patrick Mahomes, and the Houston Texans get to build around Deshaun Watson now. Hopefully, they can continue to stabilize their offensive line. I think the trade for Laramie Tunsil, albeit it was a large amount of capital that was sent to the Dolphins for that, they're able to get a left tackle, which seemed to improve the offensive line. The offensive line still wasn't great, but Deshaun Watson's also a player that needs to get rid of the ball a little bit faster. It's something he can personally work on as well. I've always been a big believer in Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky was drafted ahead of both of those players who was actually named the starting quarterback for week one by Matt Nagy and the Bears. I'm not sure how that's going to all play out. I think one of those teams in the NFC North is going to take a jump. Either that be the Lions, who've lost so many games by one score last year or the Bears I'm just not a believer in their quarterback situation I'm not a believer in Nick Foles at the moment but if Stinky Mitch does end up regressing or playing the same way that he did last season you at least have a viable option that you can go to in Nick Foles somebody who has won a Super Bowl granted his career has been very very up and down but you can't take away the fact that he did win a Super Bowl back in 2017 with the Philadelphia Eagles so at least they have the option and there was also Keenan Allen, who also signed a four-year, $80 million contract extension, up to $80 million. I'm sure it's incentive-laden, but he's a very talented route runner, new quarterback, doesn't have Phillip Rivers anymore, but the Los Angeles Chargers will look to build with him as their focal point of their passing attack. They have Hunter Henry as the tight end, and Mike Williams can't seem to stay healthy. They drafted him in the first round, top 10 out of Clemson, and hasn't really worked out. He's been better than Corey Davis and John Ross, the other two receivers in that same draft who were selected in the top 10, but Mike Williams needs to get healthy and become more consistent while on the field. Keenan Allen will be in Los Angeles for the foreseeable future, it seems like. And then we also had one of the better cornerbacks in the league, Tredavious White, sign a four-year $69 million extension with the Buffalo Bills. That's a massive extension for Buffalo and for White as well, who's a Pro Bowl cornerback, one of the more underrated players in the National Football League. So obviously you got to tip your cap to both of those parties, they were able to get this deal done. He was drafted in the latter part of the 2017 first round. So the Bills obviously found their long-term shutdown cornerback in Sean McDermott's defense. We go back in time, back when it was Josh Norman who was that shutdown corner in the same defense with Carolina. A defense that's really, really talented, has a lot of youth, has a good balance between youth and veteran leadership, and it seems like they're poised to make the playoffs. So let's get into these playoff predictions, shall we? They're mediocre. They're not great. I hope all of you guys roast me and use them against me when I am completely wrong, but let's dive into it. So I want to start with the NFC West, where I see the Arizona Cardinals having a better season, at least in terms of playing on the field. So last year, they went... 5-10 and ten in Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray's first year in the NFL. You go out, you add DeAndre Hopkins, you have Buda Baker with another year developing on the defensive side of the football. I think they're going to have a much better season. I think they're going to be on the cusp of possibly making the playoffs, but I do not have them as a playoff team, although I really do like what they have done. They signed Devondre Campbell to a one-year deal up to $8.5 million. His solid linebacker that was with the Falcons, Kenyon Drake. You place the transition tag on him. You still have the leadership of someone like Larry Fitzgerald. Bring in DeAndre Hopkins. I think Christian Kirk is in for a huge season this year. A lot of people are going to know who he is now operating out of the slot. There's probably going to be a lot of 10 personnel. You sign someone like Drake Kirkpatrick and Devon Kennard to help your pass rush and your coverage. I kind of like what the Cardinals are building, but I have them going eight and eight now i think it's a very competitive division but i do have them rounding on the bottom of the division and i have the rams going nine and seven now i'm a little worried about the rams on the defensive side of the football and i really am worried about their offensive line but i think 
just looking at what they did last year, they had a really bad year. It was kind of gross. They still finished nine and seven. I think Jared Goff is going to have some positive regression in terms of touchdowns. I don't think he's only going to throw 22 touchdowns when he threw the football the most in the NFL, tied with Jameis Winston for attempts. I think Robert Woods will have more touchdowns. He only had two receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdown last year. Cooper Cup, I think, is going to be somewhat similar. He may have some touchdown regression actually come back downward for him since he had so many touchdowns and he's so utilized in the red zone. But I think they might use a little bit more 12 personnel. And if they do use 11 personnel, I think Tyler Higby, I think he's going to play like not up to the level that he was playing at the end of the season because that was asinine, but he'll play somewhere in that realm. And I think he's going to be a very solid player who's a value in fantasy drafts. But I still have them going 9-7. and seven. I have this division being a very, very competitive division, a lot of winning in the division. But also you have the two top teams. I have Seattle going 10-6, and six, and I have San Francisco going 10-6, and six, both those teams finishing with the same record. And I have the winner of that division being the 49ers now. 49ers lost to Forrest Buckner. They go out and they draft Javon Kinlaw. And he's a very talented defensive lineman, versatile, upfield push kind of player from South Carolina. And I like Seattle too. They're going to run the football. They have Chris Carson. I mean, Russ wants to cook. Not 100% sure that Brian Schottenheimer is going to allow him to cook unless he really needs to cook. Their identity on that football team is to run the football. But you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the outside two of those very talented receivers. You brought in Greg Olson, who's a bit over the hill, long in the tooth, if you want to say that, but he's still a savvy veteran. And that defense, you lose your Divian Clowney, and that's kind of where I'm a little hesitant. And this is where I kind of get into, yes, Russ maybe cooking a lot in the fourth quarter, which we have seen in the past. I love the fact they brought in Jamal Adams. I think that's an obvious, huge addition to this team. But losing a pass rusher like... Jadavion Clowney and not necessarily replacing him with anybody that is huge. I mean, you bring in Bruce Irvin, who they drafted with the 13th pick back in 2012. You have Gerard Reed, who you resigned to a two-year, $23 million contract. Now, he's a, a he puts pressure on the quarterback from the interior defensive line, but you don't have those edge guys that really kind of jump out at you. You drafted LJ Collier in the first round in 2019, and he wasn't that guy either. He's more of a strong side end who's solid against the run but has limited athletic upside. So that was a real head-scratching draft selection by the Seahawks. But I still think they're going to go like 10-6, and six, maybe 9-7. and seven. I have them down. It's 10-6. and six, And I still think they'll squeak into the playoffs as a wild-card team. I just trust Russell Wilson way too much. And I like that rushing attack. And they're going to control the ball and try to keep their defense off the field. Let's move on to the NFC North. I have the Chicago Bears. Detroit Lions, Green Bay, and Minnesota. Now, Detroit rounds the division out by going 6-10. and 10. I think Detroit last season was very unlucky. They lost 8 of their 12 games that they lost by one score. And we all remember what happened against Arizona in Week 1 where they allowed Arizona to come back, and then they ended up tying the game. It was actually really, really gross. But I'm not a big believer in Matt Patricia. However, I think what he did in free agency going out and getting a bunch of players that he's used to, a bunch of players that he has coached before in Deron Harmon and Jamie Collins, I think it's going to really help the Lions, at least help the veterans buy into the Lions, because it seems like guys like Darius Slay did not buy in. He's out. They add Desmond Trufant, two-year, $21 million deal. You go out, you draft Jeffrey Okuda to try to help replace Darius Slay. I think this team goes 6-10. and 10. I think it might be a step up, and it might actually result in Matt Patricia being fired. Again, I'm not a huge Matt Patricia guy, but I do believe bringing some of his guys in is going to benefit them. Now, they also signed Halepuli Vitae Vitae, the offensive tackle from the Eagles, to a five-year, $50 million deal. It's 10, mil, it's 10 mil a year. I mean, that's Eric Flowers' kind of contract for a player that is a solid rotational tackle, but not somebody you really want starting long-term opposite of Eric Decker, which is more than likely the thing that's going to happen when you give someone that kind of contract. So Lions are at the bottom of that division for me. And then I also have the Bears and the Packers both going 9-7. and seven. Now, that's a little awkward, right? And then I have Minnesota going 10-6. and six. Now, I'm not a believer in mediocre Mitch. I'm not a believer in Mitch Trubisky. But I'm a little conflicted in the sense that I think Matt Nagy is a good coach. And I think he could be really up craps creek if he can't turn this around. And I look at the Bears. I look at the fact that they had a new defense last year. They lost Vic Fangio because he became the head coach of the Denver Broncos. And they brought in 
Chuck Pagano, a very well-respected defensive coach. And it didn't necessarily work out. They didn't get the turnovers that they got before, right? So it was pretty bad. But now you have Nick Foles. You bring him in for quarterback. That's going to be a good competition, like I alluded to before, right? Bringing Jimmy Graham, that's an old two-year $16 million deal. I don't really understand that. I don't. But you signed Robert Quinn, five-year $70 million. That is a huge contract. They re-signed Danny Trevathan to a three-year $21.75 million deal. You still have Roquan Smith. You have a lot of speed. You got Khalil Mack, obviously. You have a big, strong defensive front as the foundation, and you have Eddie Jackson and players like that on the back end. So I think they may be in for a better season this year because last year was a disaster, and they still went 8-8, eight and eight, and that's with bad quarterback play, and I'm not 100% confident that quarterback play is going to get better. But I think they can do enough. I think Anthony Miller is going to have a better year. It's their offensive line that I'm a little concerned about. I'm not a big believer in David Montgomery at the moment. But I think 9-7 and seven is something that could be attainable on the back of their defense if their defense can play not even close to the level that they did two years ago, but maybe 85% to that level. So I have them going 9-7. and seven. Green Bay, I think they're in just for a little bit of regression. 9-7 and seven might be a bit uh, negative, but they won 8 of 12 games by one score last year which is fine. You are able to pull it out. But I watched that team go to California and go on these road games and get absolutely embarrassed by the 49ers twice, by the Chargers. It was disgusting. So I look at them. I love Aaron Rodgers, and that's why I have them at 9-7. I think their defense, losing Blake Martinez, is going to hurt a little bit. I think they're really relying on that offensive line. They bring in A.J. Dillon. They have Aaron Jones. You know they want to run the football, which is great for them, no doubt. But they signed Devin Funches as the only wide receiver that they added. And he opted out due to COVID. Now you have Alan Lazard opposite of Devontae Adams. If something happens to Devontae Adams, you're going to have Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Equinemia St. Brown, who there are good reports about those guys. But it's not something that really gives you any sort of warm and fuzzy feeling because they come into camp, they make a lot of mental errors, and they've just been hurt. Combination of all those things. So I, I look at the Packers. They replaced Blake Martinez with Christian Kirksey, who they signed two years, $16 million deal. And I think they're just going to be in for progression. I think a lot of those games that they won by three points last year can go the other way. I believe in Aaron Rodgers, but you didn't add weapons. You added his apparent in the first round, and you went out and you drafted a running back in the second round. And I like A.J. Dillon, but it seemed like a pretty ambitious pick at the time. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a regression from the Packers. I think a lot of people do believe that. 9-7 and seven might be a bit strong, but we'll see how it materializes. Then we have the great NFC East. Now we have Washington going 5-11, and 11, Giants going 6-10, and 10, Philly going 8-8, eight and eight, and Dallas going 11-5. and five. Washington, I love their defense. I think that defensive pass rush might be one of the best in the league, but they have just a lot of controversy always surrounding that franchise with their owner. I don't think they're a well-run organization. I'm not a huge believer in their offensive line. You have players, all-star players, possible Hall of Fame players saying they don't want to play there and they had to be traded like Trent Williams. It's just not a good environment. And I don't think that's going to be conducive to success. And Dwayne Haskins is easy to kick while he's down. I'm not a big believer in him, but maybe he can take some sort of step. I do think it's within the realm of possibility. And that's why I have him as a five-win team and not a three-win team. So I've watched at the bottom of the division. And I want the Giants much better. I have them at six and ten. Now, the NFC East schedule is it's tough. And I don't want to make any kind of excuses, but when you play the AFC North and the NFC West, that means you're playing the Steelers who are going to be much better this year. You're playing Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. The Browns will be much better this year. I mean, even Cincinnati will be much better, but I'm not going to put them into that category. And then you got the 49ers, went to the Super Bowl last year, the Seahawks, very talented team, the Rams, underrated, and you have the Cardinals, also very good. Well, could be very good. That's why none of the teams in that division, the NFC West, have a losing record. And I think the NFC East might be the division where some of those losses are suffered. So I have the Giants going 6-10. and 10. I like what Joe Judge is doing. I like Daniel Jones. I think teams like the Giants, teams like the Browns, teams with new coaching staffs, coaches that have never been head coaches before, suffer the most during COVID-19. I do think that is a very plausible realization to kind of come to with this. I'm not trying to make excuses, but I do think it's the reality. You have a new offense, new terminology. All this stuff needs to be digested and reps and reps and reps have to happen. And it took a while for all that to happen. And I look at the defense. 
you have Xavier McKinney go down with an injury. You have Sam Beal opt out. You have DeAndre Baker get arrested. All of these negative things kind of happening, and the Giants are trying to recoup some talent, whether it be through waivers or trading a seventh-round pick for Isaac Yadam, who was picked on like crazy last year. It just... I'm not overly optimistic about the New York Giants right now. I think their offensive line will be a lot better, and if they can establish the run and Daniel Jones limits the mistakes and the defense can play better, get a pass rush, and actually cover in man coverage, because I do have faith in Patrick Graham and this coaching staff, I think they could slip that 6-10 and 10 to something like 8-8, eight and eight, maybe even 9-7. and seven. I don't think that's without the realm of possibility. I'm not crapping on the team that I love so much. I just think looking at everything holistically and trying to remove myself from a person who covers the team i don't see as much success in the future so that's why i have them at six and ten and it couldn't spell the end to the dave gettleman era then they have philadelphia who's just been very very injured at a lot of different positions they don't have great skilled position players miles sanders has been dealing with an injury brandon brooks gets injured and then you have andre dillard get injured all along that offensive line so i have them finishing at eight and eight and then dallas at 11 and five i think their offense is going to be one of the most high-powered offenses in the nfl not a lot of people are really talking about that but you have ezekiel elliott you have a dominant offensive line you have cd lamb now michael gallup who's a very underrated receiver you have amari cooper and your defense has everson griffin and Demarcus Lawrence, and they had Gerald McCoy, not anymore, but they still have the kid they drafted at UCF, Hill, who's a solid rotational piece, and they have Don Terry Poe, who they also signed. You have those linebackers, Leighton Vander Esch, have Jalen Smith, Sean Lee is dealing with a little injury right now like he always is, but that's going to happen. Now, the secondary is a bit of a liability. They could go out and sign Earl Thomas. They could. They have not yet, but they could, and I just see that team being in a lot of high-scoring games and that offense clicking pretty well under Mike McCarthy with Kellen Moore in his second year in that offense so that offense should be a little bit more well adjusted than some of the other offenses around the league and then we have the NFC South where I have the Carolina Panthers going three and 13 I think it's just going to be an adjustment year like Teddy Bridgewater do not like that defense don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is the kind of guy you want to be throwing the ball 45 times in a contest because your defense cannot stop anybody so that's kind of my rationale on the Carolina situation and then I have Atlanta at seven and nine now seven and nine that's not terrible at the Atlanta Falcons last year started the year terribly and they ended up finishing seven and nine I don't think they're going to start terribly at all but they do have a young offensive line their defense isn't all that great love Matt Ryan Julio Jones Calvin Ridley I think Hayden Hurst is in for a big year but I still think seven and nine is probably a range seven and nine to nine and seven is the range for the Atlanta Falcons and then I have Tampa Bay at ten and six and then I have New Orleans at 11-5. and five. Tampa Bay, they obviously added Tom Brady. I think their defense has gotten better. I think it's underrated anyways with Shaq Barrett and JPP. And they also have Devin White. They, they, they're a pretty solid defense. They were a run defense. They were a funneling to a pass in attack last year. So hopefully their corners can get a little bit better. But I think they might be able to establish leads, not turn the ball over, not throw 30 interceptions in Bruce Arians' offense, and actually win a solid clip of games and end up making the playoffs. So I have them as a wild card team, but I just have the Saints going 11 and 5. I think the Saints have built an amazing offensive line. Drew Brees and that system, it clicks and works very well with Michael Thomas as just the pure best receiver in the NFL on Alvin Kamara out of the backfield with a defense that can shut the run down, shut the pass down. You have Cameron Jordan, you have Marshawn Lattimore. I think that's a very very talented squad and they're going to go 11 and 5 real Super Bowl aspirations. So for the NFC, I have the 49ers winning the West, the Vikings winning the North, the Cowboys winning the East, and the Saints winning the South with the Seahawks, Buccaneers, and the Packers squeezing into the playoffs. Okay, so yes, the Packers and Bears finish with the same record, but I have the Packers getting in. It's going to be some kind of game between the Packers and Bears where Mitch is going to throw an interception and Aaron Rodgers is going to do Aaron Rodgers things, squeak in the playoffs, and probably get bounced in the wild card round. So that's my playoff predictions for the NFC. So let's move on to the AFC, where we'll start with the AFC West. So here I have the Raiders finishing 6-10, Chargers 5-11, just below them. Denver 8-8, eight and, eight, and the Kansas City Chiefs, no surprise, 12-4. I like the Raiders, I like the Chargers, but I'm not fully buying into it as of right now, especially because this division ends up playing the NFC South. But hey, at least they also play the AFC East, am I right? But I have the Chargers at 5-11. and 11. 
the Tyrod Taylor experience. I like Tyrod. I think he's going to be good enough to win a few games here and there, but losing Derwin James is a big blow to that defense. What Gus Bradley actually wants to do. They still have dominant pass rush. But you lose Melvin Gordon, who is an identity of your offense. You lose Phillip Rivers, who was the main identity of that offense. Bringing Tyrod Taylor is a lot of turnover. I like Austin Eckler, but you're going to be relying a lot on Josh Kelly, the kid out of UCLA, and Justin Jackson. So I'm not a huge believer in that squad as of right now. That's why I have them at 5-11. and 11. But the Raiders I have at 6-10. and 10. It's kind of a similar thing. They have a lot of young guys on that defense and that offense. And this offseason, it's just been entirely different for a lot of players. I think they added a couple really interesting, I guess you could say veteran types like Jason Witten, who can really help this team from a veteran standpoint, from an experienced kind of standpoint, you add Nelson Aguilar, who has a Super Bowl ring, to that wide receiver room. You add Jeff Heath, who I feel like is a solid addition too. But I'm not really 100% sold that John Gruden is sold on the fact that Derek Carr is his quarterback. And I think that's one reason why he paid Marcus Mariota $17.6 million in a two-year contract to bring him over from the Tennessee Titans. So I, I look at this team... And I think it's interesting, but I still have them at 6-10. and 10. Wouldn't be shocked if they do better than that. I really wouldn't, but that's where I have them right now. Denver I have at 8-8, eight and eight, but both those squads, I think, bringing in Pat Shermer, and I know us Giants fans, we know that Pat Shermer wasn't it as a head coach, but I think as an offensive coordinator, he's it. I think he's a great offensive coordinator. I think he's going to simplify things for Drew Locke. Drew Locke has so many weapons. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, they drafted this year. They still have Cortland Sutton. You have Noah Fant. You bring in Albert O. You have Philip Lindsay. You bring in Melvin Gordon. That's an offense right there. You have Mike Munchak and not Hal Hunter as your offensive line coach. So I have them at 8-8, eight and eight, one game better than what they were last year. So it's not exactly a hot take, but I think they're just going to be more competitive and teams will kind of take them more seriously. Maybe Drew Locke will kind of take that step that a lot of people hope their young quarterback can take. For the AFC North, I have the Cincinnati Bengals going 4-12. and 12. Love what they did with Joe Burrow. But I think that defense, as they added players, but Trey Waynes goes down with an injury. They they spent money for the first time in a really long time, to be honest, which is something the Bengals historically don't do in free agency. They went out and they got someone like Trey Waynes, who's out, but it was a three-year, $42 million contract. You bring in Mackenzie Alexander from the Vikings as well, one-year, $4 million deal. Von Bell, you agreed to a three-year, $18 million deal with him, too. And you can possibly get A.J. Green back. You bring in D.J. Reader, very talented defensive lineman four-year 53 million dollar contract i think the offensive line is still going to be somewhat of a concern but i think they're you're going to see the difference here obviously last year they won two games i have them only winning two more games but i think they're going to be much more competitive and earn a lot more respect around the league i have cleveland going seven and nine now they went six and ten last season but i think they're going to go seven and nine i think the fact that kevin stefanski is in the same boat as joe judge I think that kind of does hurt the team. I really do. I think the offensive line, bringing in Jack Conklin, drafting Dredrick Wills is really going to help that offense. I really do. I think their defense should be better, especially if Denzel Ward can stay healthy and Miles Garrett doesn't bash someone over the head with a helmet. I have them at 7-9. Won't be shocked if they go 9-7, and seven, squeak into maybe the last playoff spot. Would not be whatsoever. But they do have the Ravens and the Steelers twice in their division, and that's rough. That's not an easy thing to overcome even though they play them competitively. I mean, last year, Cleveland, as bad as they were, they were a dumpster fire under Freddie Kitchens. They were able to beat the Baltimore Ravens last season. So division games kind of are fluky like that. But getting Big Ben back for the Pittsburgh Steelers is not great for the Cleveland Browns. And then I have the Steelers. The Steelers, I have them going 10-6. and six. I do. And I think their defense is amazing. I think Big Ben's going to return. Obviously, they don't have Antonio Brown. They don't have Le'Veon Bell anymore. But I still think that's going to be a really respectable team that squeaks into the playoffs. Then I have Baltimore 12-4. and Great rushing attack. Don't think they're going to be as efficient as they were last year. But they still have a really good defense. They're bringing Calais Campbell. It's just like an embarrassment of riches over there for the Baltimore Ravens. And what they have on their defense. And they even let like really good players go in the past. Guys like Zadarius Smith and stuff like that. But... I think the Ravens getting Calais Campbell. You sign Matt Judon on the franchise tag. At least you bring him back. You re-sign Jimmy Ward. Bring in Jihad Ward, who's solid. Derek Wolf, who was solid with the Denver Broncos a couple years back, but has been dealing with injuries. So I still believe in what they can do, but they're not going to go 14-2. Don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be as efficient as he was at the passer last year, but I still think that's a very, very talented squad. And then we have the 
AFC East. Now here I have the Jets going four and twelve. I kind of alluded to the Jets and just the Adam Gase situation going on over there in Florham Park, New Jersey. Four and twelve. They don't really have. I love the fact that they rebuilt their offensive line, but their defense. I like Greg Williams as a coordinator. I think he gets the most out of guys who are mediocre to marginal. But I don't believe in the weapons that the Jets have right now. And not only do I not really believe in them, they've just been so injured. None of them have really been able to grow a rapport in this offense or with Sam Darnold. Rashad Perryman comes over, injured. Denzel Mims, they drafted him out of Baylor. He's been injured. Vincent Smith, he's been injured. The only guy who's been reliable through camp has been Jamison Crowder. Chris Herndon was injured. Now he's returned. He should be ready for week one. But I'm just not overly optimistic. I mean... It's not a hot take whatsoever because we all know the Jets are the Jets and they'll do Jet things sometimes, but not overly optimistic. And the Miami, I have at 5-11. and 11. I have them just same record as they were last year, but I think they're also going to be more competitive and I think they're going to ingratiate Tua Tungabailoa into their offense sometime probably mid-season. So I think that's there's going to be some lumps there to take. I think their defense will be better. Obviously, it's hard to get worse, especially when you sign guys like Kyle Van Noy, Byron Jones, the record-breaking deals. You should have Zamian Howard back healthy. You drafted Noah Igbenogany out of Auburn. Hopefully, you get something out of him as well. But I think it's going to be one of those, let's transition into 2021 and see how we're going with the new head of our franchise into a tongue of Iloa. And then I have New England going 9-7 and seven, and Buffalo 10-6. and six. I think Buffalo's going to win this division. I think New England will be more competitive than people think. I think their defense is going to be worse, but I think Cam Newton could be in for a pretty interesting year this year. And as for Buffalo, talked about it before, great defense. I think they're underrated, and I think they're going to win this division. And then we have the AFC South, where I have the Jacksonville Jaguars winning two games. I have them going 2-14. and 14. Just that defense is, is not good right now. They're absolutely not good, and I think it's going to affect the offense i don't think their offensive line although they invested in their offensive line i don't think they're in a position to establish the run especially after everything that we've seen from them trading leonard fournette and them kind of getting rid of their entire team i mean they just traded ronnie harrison who's a solid safety to the browns like why why are we just shipping out young solid talent that you drafted two years ago david caldwell Yannick Ngakwe shipped him out of town. It's just everybody's getting shipped. There's rumors that Miles Jack might be getting shipped out of town. It's just, it's a bad situation. It is. And I don't see them winning that many games, to be honest. But Tyler Eifert, they signed two-year, $15 million deal. That could be a solid deal if he can stay healthy, which is something he typically has not been able to do. You bring in Chris Thompson, all these Jay Gruden guys. Jay Gruden has worked with all these players in the past. He's the offensive coordinator now. I think that's good, but I don't think it's going to translate into wins. So I have them winning two games. Houston, I have at 6-10. and 10. I think they're going to be a little bit worse. Don't have DeAndre Hopkins. Not a huge believer in their defense. Like I said, their offensive line is better than it was in years past, but it's still an issue for me. And if Will Fuller or Deshaun Watson suffer this injury, Brandon Cooks, who's another injury-prone guy, I just feel like it's kind of like walking on eggshells a little bit with your skilled position players and i don't even believe you're that talented in the trenches either i mean obviously you have jj watt i like benardrick mckinney i like zach cunningham i like whitney merciless but you're really relying on guys like lonnie johnson to take another step and he's a young cornerback and i, I thought he was solid coming out of the draft but i don't know if he's ready to become a starter and he's not being relied to right now but he might have to during this season their secondary is a little bit suspect like justin reed but not a huge believer in that secondary so i'm not in love with the houston texans this year then i have indianapolis going nine and seven tennessee going ten and six and i probably should even bump that up at the Davian clowny deal but i think this division indianapolis tennessee will be fighting for that top spot houston will be in the mix but they might fall off towards the latter half of the season and that's the way I have this playoff picture. It's probably going to be wrong. Hopefully you all laugh at me. But to round it up, playoffs for the NFC. Got the NFC West 49ers, NFC North Vikings, NFC East Cowboys, NFC South Saints, Wildcard Seahawks, Buccaneers, Packers. Remember, there's three wildcard teams this year. Then for the AFC, we have the AFC West Chiefs, AFC North, the Ravens, AFC East, the Bills, and AFC South, the Titans with the Steelers, Patriots, and Colts. 
rounding out the wild card. And that's the episode. There's a lot of news and notes, a lot of restructuring contracts, a lot of people getting cut, a lot of weird stuff going on in the NFL because the NFL is ramping up and we're ready for the 2020 season. I hope you guys all enjoyed this. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast and have a lovely day. Let's go football. See you guys later.